0: freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. It's time to hear from the top Christian litigators in the nation who have come forward to tell us the truth and help us defend our faith.
1: Hear ye, hear ye. All rise. Faith on trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Mano, is in session.
0: And welcome to Faith on Trial. where examine the influence of law and society on people of faith. I'm Deacon Mike Manor, your host, along with Gina Noh, our traveling co-host, who I believe is in Georgia today. Gina?
2: I am in Georgia, and getting ready to enjoy a spring
0: break. Very good, very good. Well, we'll send the bloodhounds for you, and we'll find out exactly where you are and drag you back here in another week. But uh, enjoy yourself while you're out there.
2: Yes, I might enjoy the warm weather so much I never come back.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, well I'll, I'll tell you this about the warm weather: don't come back with a tan, or I won't talk to you till it fades. Because yeah. as, as, <laughs> oh, as, as, that's
2: your yeah, <laughs> green with envy. Yes, green that, with envy. that's yeah. right.
0: That's right. You're visiting another school. Is that what you're doing? Another...
2: uh We have a wedding actually. Oh, a wedding. Boca Raton.
0: Okay. okay. Oh, yeah. we are going to be down in Florida. Yeah, don't get a tan. You come back with a tan, and I'm not going to be happy with you at all.
2: Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Um, I saw the news this week that uh, Mayor Adams of the biggest city in the United States, New York City, has uh, called for... he, he, He regrets that we ever took prayer out of the classroom. How about that
0: one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that what what was that Supreme Court ruling back in 61 or 62, something like that? So prayer's been out of the public school classroom anyway uh, for quite a while. And, of course, uh, uh, those uh, right now who are enemies of God uh, are working their way back in. Well,
2: I think that um, his speech was... Wonderful and I think at some point we'll we'll bring um parts of it to the program yeah. for our listeners to hear because he made perfect sense. Yeah what we've all been saying for a long time. One of the problems is uh, we the, get a
0: lot of words sometimes but no action. So if he can follow well, this up with action but, yeah
2: You know, sometimes the right words are exactly what we need to hear, uh to motivate people to be brave and speak out.
0: That's right. That's right. Well, before we get to what's on the program today, I want to thank the men's group at Sacred Heart uh, Church here in uh, West Des Moines. Uh, They had me, they hosted me, I guess, Monday night, last Monday night, to talk to the group about what's going on with our radio program and the radio station and what's going on in the world that we talk about all the time, you know, the influence of law and society and people of faith. And uh, there was a nice group there, and I had an enjoyable time visiting with them. So thank you to all the folks over at uh, Sacred Heart who did that. Now, today...
2: It's very, very... I'm very glad that people understand the issues that we are interested in, the issues that we cover in the program.
0: Yeah, and, and the people that listen uh, are usually fairly well informed. I, I'm a little concerned about people that have no idea about what's going on. Um, that uh, That's... That bothers me, but I guess there's not a whole lot we can do about it. We do what we can. We do what we can, and of course we're a small voice here, and what we hope is that people who listen to the program will relay to their friends some of the things that we talk about here, uh, not only overall for the whole radio uh, network uh, with all the programs, you know, the faith in God and and all of that, but with what we specifically talk about, which some people have— in, within their control but they're not exercising it you know people uh, all these school boards that we talk about all the legislators the congress people uh, we vote for them we in a way control them but if we don't know what we're voting for or against and we don't know what the uh, individual candidates stand for or against uh, we don't necessarily make the right decisions you know we vote almost automatically. Well, I'm a Republican, so I'm always going to vote for a Republican. Or I'm a Democrat, you know, I'm going to vote the way the union tells me to vote. Whatever it is, you know, we have that, and it's uh, it's, uh, permeating throughout the country, and we've got to stop that. We've got to start looking at these races individually and the candidates individually and understand what the issues are, especially how they affect our faith. And then vote accordingly. And if we start doing that, I think we'll be in a much better position than we are right now.
2: Well said. Yeah. Very well said.
0: All right, we're going to talk. Uh, Go ahead.
2: Yeah. Who are we? Yeah. Who are we? Who do we have today?
0: Okay. Today we're going to be talking about uh, abortion and drugs. Okay. We're going to. We're first going to have Father Ingrid Scope. Did I say father Dr. Ingrid. I'm used to dealing with priests all the time you know uh, she's an OBGYN and she's senior fellow and director of the medical Affairs for the Charlotte Lozier Institute Now a lot of people don't know what that is we'll have her explain that uh, to us. Uh, there is a lawsuit that they are supporting uh, and I believe they filed an amicus brief in uh, that is trying to get the uh, FDA to suspend. The sale of dangerous and poorly tested abortion drugs in pill form, and there's a lot she has to say about that, and we'll we'll get on with her in just a few minutes. And then after that, we're going to talk with Andrea Dill, who is the legal counsel for the Center for Christian Ministry at the Alliance Defending Freedom, on another challenge to drugs, and this is by pharmacist who want to refuse to distribute certain pills, like abortion pills, but they're being threatened by the Biden administration that if they uh, don't do that, they may uh, lose their ability to be pharmacists. So we'll talk to Andrea about that. And that's an interesting lawsuit because it started in uh, uh, North Dakota, I think it was, and it's being consolidated with something that the attorney general in Texas is doing. Uh, So we've got one lawsuit. There are other lawsuits down there. But uh, that one uh, that uh, the pharmacist started uh, has been added to by the state of Texas, even though (laughs) he's in North Dakota. All right. That's what we have. Do you have a prayer? Go ahead.
2: Yeah, I think we need to open with a prayer for peace today. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. God of peace, bring your peace to our violent world. Peace in the hearts of all men and women and peace among the nations of this earth. Turn to your way of love, those whose hearts and minds are consumed with hatred. Strengthen us in hope and give us the wisdom and courage to work tirelessly for a world where true peace and love reign among nations and in the hearts of all. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you very much, Gina. And we will be right back in a few minutes with Dr. Ingrid Scope of the Charlotte Lozier Institute. (music) And we're back. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. And we have with us right now uh, Dr. Ingrid Stope, um, who is uh, Director of uh, Medical, I had it here just a minute ago, Director of Medical Affairs for the Charlotte Lozier Institute. So let's start with the Institute. What is the Charlotte Lozier Institute?
3: Thank you for this opportunity to discuss it. Um, the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America, your viewers may um, know, is, is a very large pro-life lobbying firm. And they recognized about a dozen years ago that there was a strong need for um, research, um, for science and statistics to support the pro-life position. Um, and they created uh, the Charlotte Lozier Institute, which is a research um, Institute. So I, I know that it is very, very difficult. I, if people are interested in educating themselves about abortion and they use Google, Google will send them to the Guttmacher Institute, which is, of course, um, does apologetics for the abortion industry. Um, so Charlotte Lozier Institute is small, but we have the ability to do very good peer-reviewed, um, research, to do literature searches and to discuss the issues that are very important from a scientific perspective. Um, so I would encourage people to go there and, and educate themselves. Now
0: this would be a real scientific so
3: misinformation. Yeah, this yeah. would be a
0: real scientific exploration as opposed to the phony ones we've been getting all the time.
3: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Okay. Uh, and how do we find the the institute if we want to look it up online and follow what you are doing there?
3: It is uh, Lozier, L-O-Z-I-E-R, institute.org. Okay. Uh, we have a special page there called AbortionDrugFacts.com. We'll be discussing chemical abortion, but there is quite a bit of information there that uh, that people can educate and share with their friends.
0: Very good. All right, let's talk about what you are doing with these or uh, trying to get these drugs removed from, uh, uh, from circulation, I suppose, uh, that are used in, I guess, the abortion pill? Is that what we're talking about here?
3: Yeah, it is. And, and just to back up so that everybody really understands, sure. this is not the same as emergency contraception. That's a high dose of hormones that's taken within a couple of days of the active intercourse to try to prevent fertilization. These are pills that are taken when a pregnancy is known, when there is a living, unborn human in a woman's uterus, and these pills are taken to with the intent of ending that life. It's two pills Mifepristone is, is, is high, has been highly controlled by the FDA because it's known to be dangerous. Um, it is a, a progesterone blocker. It cuts off the hormonal support, causes the embryo or the fetus to die, and then it's followed in 24 to 48 hours by the second pill, mesoprostol, which essentially induces labor to push the tissue out of the woman's uterus. Um, it it doesn't always work. Um, Good quality studies um, internationally tell us that approximately one out of 20 women will fail to evacuate all the tissue, um, even though the FDA um, limits its use to the first 10 weeks of pregnancy. Um, But those women will uh, often need surgery. And because the abortion industry tells them this pill is safer than Tylenol or a shot of penicillin, They're surprised when they have a complication. They didn't think that could happen. And in many cases, they present to the emergency room in distress, hemorrhaging or infected. And and that's how I've gotten involved. I'm an obstetrician practicing in Texas, and I've cared for many of these women in the emergency room. I didn't cause their abortion, but I'm there to pick up the pieces when they have complications. So this lawsuit that's been filed in Texas points at all the different ways that the FDA broke its own rules in order to um, approve this regimen. Um, uh, Most notably, the category under which they approved is called subpart H, accelerated approval regulations, which is – should only be used for drugs that treat life-threatening illnesses for which there is no other effective treatment. And of course, neither one of those is the case for chemical abortion. Pregnancy in almost every case is not threatening to the woman's life, and um, surgical abortion was readily available. But the reason the abortion industry has been so invested in chemical abortion is it saves them time, it saves them money, the woman self-manages her own abortion, is the one who sees the devastation of the bleeding, the the body of her child in the toilet. Um, so it's a it's a terribly uncaring way to provide services to women because they're the ones that are having to deal with the fallout. But it's nothing but benefit for the abortion industry. And now that many states have laws restricting abortion, it's a way that the industry is trying to get around state laws and continue to provide abortions in the states that are trying to protect unborn life.
0: I'm concerned now about the failure to evacuate the womb after the abortion uh, and And the pill that's supposed to do that, which doesn't I know when I was on the board of directors of Intervisions, which is a pregnancy resource center here, uh, there was a, a lot a, there were a lot of pro abortion people that were trying to confuse the issue by saying that uh, uh, people would or or women would have parts of the fetus left in their bodies after a botched abortion or something and uh, and and they could die from that they were raising these red flags now what you're telling me is it's all true and it has to do with the abortion pill now that they can take
3: yeah absolutely and and the abortion industry has changed its narrative remember like back at the time of Roe the narrative was we don't want women to self-manage their abortions. Those are too dangerous. We need to legalize it so it can be under medical supervision. Now we've gone 360. Now they're saying we want her to self-manage her abortion, and we don't care if there's physician supervision. Um, The FDA, using the COVID pandemic as an excuse, they have progressively loosened the restrictions ever since 2000 when this regimen was approved. But the most... um, One of the recent um, loosening is is horrible for women. They said they wanted to use it or take away the testing so that women um – Uh, could get it by telemedicine. But what it allows is a woman to sit at a computer to order it online from an international distributor to be delivered to her mailbox. And she's estimating her own gestational age. No one's doing an ultrasound. No doctor is laying hands on her. If she's further along than she thinks, she's more likely to fail because there's more tissue. If she has an ectopic pregnancy in her fallopian tube, the, the, the chemical abortion drugs do not work on that. It can continue to grow. It can rupture, and women have died from this complication. Uh, no one's checking her labs to see if perhaps she needs a Rogam shot, which is a standard intervention to prevent future pregnancy complications. And equally as important, no one is, is documenting that the person ordering the pills is the person who wants an abortion. Sex traffickers, incestuous abusers, coercive boyfriends, they can all pretend to be a woman and order these pills and provide them to a woman whose pregnancy they want to end, whether or not she wants her child. Um, what a horrible thing for the FDA to allow to happen if it professes to care for women.
0: Yeah. Now what kind of testing did the FDA do on these drugs before they approved them?
3: We did very limited testing. And in fact, just going back to the politicization, President Clinton reached out to the French manufacturer and said, please bring this drug to the United States. And um, the test, the studies that were used were not the type of studies the FDA usually requires. I think we saw during COVID, they said, you know, if it's not a randomized, placebo-controlled, blinded trial, it's not good enough to be used for COVID. And yet, None of the studies that they used to approve the chemical abortion regimen were that type of high-quality study. Um, the conditions of the studies were not the ones that they approved the use. So they just uh, they broke their own rules. You know, as I said, they never studied it specifically in a pediatric population. Many women um, take chemical abortion pills that are under the age of 18 we don't know. Does this affect their sexual development? Does it impair future fertility? Does it um, work differently in a young woman than an older woman? We don't know the answer to any of those questions because the FDA just decided that that wasn't important testing to do. Um, and of course, the list goes on. Um, it's all documented in the lawsuit if your uh, if your listeners are interested. But it's it's just been politicized over and over, and, and under every Democratic president, the restrictions have been loosened, um, the supervision has been waived.
0: I know if- Dr. Scope. Oh, go ahead, Gina.
3: Yeah, yes, Dr. Scope, I, uh,
2: I know I've read in the past that there's, um, uh, OBGYNs are very frustrated because these young ladies end up in their emergency rooms, they don't know where the drugs came from, Um, They suffer these side effects, and there's no central registry to track all these complications so that then Planned Parenthood can advertise the pill as something that's effective and safe, and a majority of the women, whoever Tate has used it, have found great success.
3: Yeah, I mean, that is absolutely true. There is nothing that mandates any reporting at a federal level. We don't know how many abortions occur in this country. We don't know the complications, and we don't know the maternal deaths associated with them. The abortion industry publishes their own studies. They tell us about the complications that they know about, and they say, oh, look how safe it is, only one to two percent failure. But the reality, as, as you mentioned, the women don't go back to that abortion provider in many cases. They are a Frightened, and they feel betrayed because they weren't told there could be complications. So I've seen many of them in the emergency room. My fellow OB/GYNs have seen many of them, and it wasn't until I really started digging into this issue that I recognized there is no way to track this complication data. So of course, the abortion industry can say it's safe. They don't know anything different because they're not. No one is seeking um, to find the complications. In 2016, the FDA said, "You know what." Um, like prior to that time they they did supposedly mandate complication reporting but it's been documented that probably only 5% or less of the actual complications were reported because the abortion providers routinely ignored that mandate but in 2016 the FDA said you know what we don't want to hear about any more complications unless it kills the woman they have documented that 28 women have died following chemical abortion but Undoubtedly, because our our maternal mortality system also has severe data deficiencies, there are far more women, particularly if a woman dies of a mental health complication. She has a coerced abortion. She sees her child in the toilet. She commits suicide in six months. We have no way to detect her death and to link it to the fact that she was forced to have an abortion. But undoubtedly that happens.
0: I would imagine that a lot of these complications are oftentimes unknown by the woman because she's had no follow-up after mm. taking the pill and, and may not yes. realize until too late that there's something wrong.
3: That is true. Uh, the woman that I cared for recently had been bleeding for two months after the abortion pill. Um, and another thing that happens, I think, is that these women are very hesitant to report to anyone. They're, they are very hesitant to sue the... Um, abortion provider who committed malpractice because they're ashamed. They don't want anyone to know about the abortion. And I've had women tell me, this is probably what I deserve for making this decision. So, you know, I mean, women are very conflicted when they obtain abortions. Not every woman strongly desires that abortion. Um, And these women are, are very hesitant to tell anyone about their experience because they feel that perhaps it's what they deserved, which is devastating to think about.
0: And I think if uh, the complications are serious enough, besides the fact that they can be life-threatening, sterilization might occur.
3: It, It is possible, particularly if that dead tissue is left for a while and creates an infection. There are some very severe infections associated with these chemical abortion pills because both of them suppress the immune system. So a woman may not be able to fight an infection as well as she could ordinarily, um, but yes, a serious infection in her tubes could easily cause her to become um, uh, unable to have children in the future. Um, Another thing that has been documented is that if she does fail and requires surgery, her likelihood of having a preterm birth in a subsequent pregnancy is elevated 360 percent. So if these these complications do occur, they very likely can affect her future fertility and her future um, childbearing.
0: Who is more at risk, the older women uh, or the younger women uh, in this situation?
3: Well, you know, again, the FDA didn't bother to do any tests on the young women, so we don't know. But what I do know from having cared for so many young women is there is a mental health crisis in our young women today. They're told they can have promiscuous sex without consequences. That's, of course, untrue. But when they have the consequence of a pregnancy and then turn to the knee-jerk reflex of a chemical abortion and then go through the physical and emotional stress that I've described – what does that do to a young woman's mental health or anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, substance use and abuse? We know from studies that women who have abortions are more likely to turn to those type of um, coping mechanisms. Um, I would argue it probably happens more frequently in young women. But again, um, because nobody's really looking, we don't have data to support that, but it makes sense that it might.
0: Well, I would think that... Um common sense would tell you that uh, women who are a bit older probably have a regular physician and are at least getting some medical care uh, every year, physical or something, whereas a young woman who may be uh, in in high school or lower than that even uh, doesn't control any of that and would not maybe have seen a doctor for some time, and unless she tells her parents, she's not going to get to see a doctor.
3: Right, and that could be the case. And then, of course, many abortion advocates are strongly trying to take away any parental consent laws. Um, So again, these young women are are engaging in this action without even the support of their parents or or, a parent to turn to when things go bad, um, which is, of course, very uncaring way way to deal with for these young women.
0: Right. Uh, What is the uh, likelihood of um, a large number of people? who are uh, involved with this being forced against their will to take these pills or to even order them in the first place?
3: Well, I mean, again, we don't have data, but it it does make sense. And it has been documented already that women have been provided with these pills um, surreptitiously when they did not know what was happening. And even way past the gestational age limit of 10 weeks, um, um, in I believe in Texas and, and elsewhere in the country, there have been documented cases of third-trimester fetuses being delivered because a man provided these pills to a woman. A- again, the second component induces labor. So even if it doesn't kill the baby, it can induce labor. It can cause her to have a premature delivery to take these at a gestational age beyond what the FDA has approved. Um, um But again, you you hear anecdotal reports, but there is is nothing in our government that is interested in documenting um, abortion complications, and so really the only people who are looking and trying to educate the public are researchers like Lozier and um, the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists, AAPLOG.org, also um, puts out some great literature about complications, but we're we're small. We're, we can't, it, it's very difficult for us to find all of the complications, right. um, but we intuitively know they're out there, and more and more we're trying to get good data to prove that they exist.
0: And that's lozierinstitute.org, correct? People want to yes, keep sir. Following. Very good, very good. Well, we appreciate your time. We're, thank you uh, for joining us today. It's certainly been enlightening, and I hope people will go to your institute website, take a look at some of these things. I know this is a Uh, kind of a sleeper issue right now. People don't seem to be talking a whole lot about these pills, but uh, um, it is serious. It is serious. And I know Gene and I have discussed in the program many times about these uh, suicide pills that you can get and that we're afraid that some people are being force-fed them that don't know what they're taking. You know, you put it in in Grandpa's oatmeal in the morning and, uh, and he dies that afternoon and you get the inheritance. Uh, And so this is another way of of, uh, fooling people into doing something that they might not want to do if they had their wits about them. And, of course, some people who actually want to do this don't know how to appropriately do it and make sure that it's done correctly.
3: Yeah, it's problematic. I mean, there's a widespread disrespect for life in our country. And so we see all of these, you know, Uh, things following that, which is, I'm so glad that you guys are uh, addressing these issues and educating people because the mainstream media is not going to tell the American public what is
0: really happening. I know that. I know that. Well, doctor, thank you very much for being with us today. We certainly appreciate it. We'll keep you in our prayers and uh, we will recommend that website to everybody that they can look it up and find out where this lawsuit is going in that.
3: Excellent. Thank you so
0: much. Thank you. We'll be right back in a few minutes. You're listening to Faith on Trial on the Iowa Catholic Radio Network. And we're back. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. And right now we have with us Andrea Dill, who is um, the, uh, let's see. She is counsel for the Center for Christian Ministry with the Alliance Defending Freedom. All right, Andrea, we've had a lot of people on from the Alliance Defending Freedom. I don't know. Anybody we've had on from the Center for Christian Ministries, so you might want to explain first what that is and what you are doing there.
1: Yeah, so I'm legal counsel on on the Center for Christian Ministries team, which focuses on representing churches and nonprofits and religious schools. um, You got your hands full then. Issues. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of cases coming up in that area.
0: Okay. All right, so you keep busy doing that. So you've got uh, now some um, uh, information on this lawsuit, I guess, that was filed. I'm assuming it was by ADF filed the original lawsuit by the pharmacist in North Dakota. Is that right?
1: Texas actually brought the original lawsuit challenging the Biden administration's mandate, and then we joined the case with our client, Mayo Pharmacy.
0: Okay, and that's in North Dakota. Yes. Okay. All right. And the pharmacist there I understand uh is a Well, let's let's talk about the 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 rule or the proposed rule that the Biden administration is trying to enforce over pharmacists and requiring them to distribute certain pills that they don't wish to.
1: Mhm. Yeah, so pharmacists should be free to live out their religious beliefs, but the Biden administration is attempting to force pharmacies across the nation who receive federal funding to dispense chemical abortion drugs, even if doing so is against the religious belief.
0: Okay, so if a pharmacist is uh, taking Medicaid patients, for example, or Medicare patients, that would be accepting federal funds?
1: Yes. So Sounds correct.
0: So literally, no pharmacist that expects to stay in business for very long would be able to avoid taking federal funds.
1: Yes, yes. The Biden administration is restricting the religious um, beliefs of pharmacists across the nation because they're making the pharmacists choose between, you know, violating their religious beliefs by dispensing chemical abortion drugs or receiving federal funding. Um, If they don't receive federal funding, they won't be uh, able to compete with other pharmacies.
0: Okay, and this is something that uh, we see all across the country in all areas, where the Biden administration wants to run roughshod over people's conscience rights.
1: Yes. Um, Yes, the Biden administration in many situations is restricting religious liberty, um, and especially in this case, where he's attempting to restrict the religious liberty of pharmacists across the nation.
0: Okay. And um, uh, so t- tell us a little bit about this pharmacist that you're representing.
1: Yeah. So um, Mayo Pharmacy is our client, and it's owned by Kevin Martian, who is a devout Catholic and believes that life begins at conception. Um, and so his pharmacy does not dispense drugs for abortion purposes. Also, um, the pharmacy doesn't dispense contraceptives. Um, and Mayo Pharmacy wants to continue to have the freedom to not dispense chemical abortion drugs um, as consistent with Mayo, uh, Mayo Pharmacy and Kevin's religious beliefs.
0: Now are these the same type of drugs that people can get uh, online by mail?
1: Um, I'm not aware of whether the drugs can be um, obtained in those ways.
0: Okay. Um, and, and what is the essence of the Texas lawsuit that you've joined?
1: Yeah. So the Texas, Texas brought the original case to block the Biden administration's attempt to restrict the religious liberty of pharmacists. Um, And we joined that matter um, to bring in Mayo Pharmacy as our client, who is a pharmacy um, that also wants to continue to freely live out its religious beliefs.
0: Okay. Are there any other uh, individuals or entities that are joining in that suit as well?
1: Not at this time. The plaintiffs are Texas and Mayo Pharmacy at this time.
0: And I, I take it the suit was filed recently.
1: Yes, Texas filed the suit in February, and uh, just last week we brought in Mayo Pharmacy.
0: Okay, and Andrea, go ahead, Gina.
2: You mentioned mentioned that the pharmacist, uh, Mr. Martian, because of his religious conviction, does not dispense even um, birth control pills or or medication. Uh, has this been going on for a while, and did he just come under persecution since the Biden administration's enforcement of the um, their, their their desire anyway to have the abortion pill universally available to all women? I'm sorry, could you repeat the question? Well, I I'm wondering if, um, if that's okay. I yeah, I am traveling, so it's hard to hear me. it, it, it so. Uh, Mr. Martian has never dispensed uh, birth, birth control medication as long as he's owned this pharmacy. So he's only now, because of the push to have uh, abortion medication widely available, is he coming under? Uh, is his license coming under attack uh, because of the Biden administration, or has he always had this um, issue with the federal government not reimbursing him for um, medication?
1: Um. My understanding is this is just a recent um, issue that has come up with the Biden administration's new mandate attempting to force pharmacists to dispense chemical abortion drugs. Um, And we don't know how the Biden administration will be enforcing the mandate in the meantime, um, but we are suing to protect uh, Kevin Martian and Mayo Pharmacy's religious freedom to choose not to dispense chemical abortion drugs.
0: What is the status of this mandate? Is this just something that came out of the president's head and he says everybody has to do it, or is there uh, something going through uh, the rulemaking uh, stage?
1: So this was a mandate that the Biden administration issued through a press release and guidance document. Ah. It did not go through the proper rulemaking process. Um, so the Biden administration just issued two documents Asserting that pharmacists must dispense chemical abortion drugs, even if doing so violates their religious belief.
0: So apparently, you have a legal lo- uh, leg up on it right now, since they didn't go through the administrative uh, procedure process. I, I don't. Yeah, that I is don't, one of don't, our don't, claims. Yeah, I don't understand how a press release uh, can be uh, uh, required to comply with. Uh, people can be required to comply with the press release dictate. That has no legal standing.
1: Yeah. So it's a press release in this guidance document. And so we agree and are um, bringing a claim that the uh, mandate failed to go through the proper regulatory right. procedures.
0: Well, we do know that the Biden administration is also proposing some rules along these lines that would require certain things. Is is this caught up in it?
1: Um. This lawsuit is focusing on the mandate that's attempting to force pharmacists to dispense chemical abortion drugs against their religious beliefs.
0: Okay. And and does it cite any source of law? I mean, it would seem to me that if he's going to make this mandate, he's got to at least have some tenuous legal theory uh, that gives him the authority to do this.
1: Yes, the mandate um, cited various statutes, such as the Affordable Care Act, oh. Title IX, um, but those um, none of those statutes give the Biden administration statutory authority to enforce this mandate. Okay. Um, so that's what we're arguing in this matter.
0: Okay. Well, it seems like any time uh, Joe Biden can run roughshod over people's conscience rights, he does it. Um I guess, so much for being a devout Catholic, huh?
1: Yeah. Andrew, I noticed that was
0: editorial, so you don't need to comment (laughs) on that if you don't want to. (laughs) Uh, But uh, go ahead, Gina, you had something?
2: I did did notice this week that there was a story about the, within the last week, about the the Walgreens pharmacies. Um, They had initially reported or, or issued a press release that they were not going to, distribute these uh, abortion pills. Now, they're kind of backpedaling and saying only where it's uh, not legal. But will that help your case at all to know that the Walgreens pharmacists have kind of come out and said, this isn't really something we want to be distributing?
1: Um, we haven't looked into the impact that that would have on this matter. Um, this matter is focusing on the fact that pharmacists should be free to live out their religious beliefs and Clearly, this mandate is unconstitutionally violating pharmacists' religious beliefs.
0: I think the deal with uh, Walgreens was there are some states that now have adopted legislation that prohibits these pills or or certainly um, curtails the uh, large-scale use of them. That uh, Walgreens, I think, had apparently been confused about whether they could distribute these drugs in those states or not, and I think, if I, memory serves me correctly, that they've decided that if it is illegal in the state, they're not going to either distribute them or mail them into that state. Now, that's that's my own... That un- would
1: certainly be a, a good decision, and the, uh, Biden's mandate, the pharmacy mandate, is certainly inconsistent and conflicts with state laws. Making abortion illegal, including laws
2: in Texas.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which uh, of course, so we'll since. more
2: lawsuits related to the, the abortion bill as we move forward.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So now, now, are there other things that uh, the ministry group that you work with there are, are looking into right now that have to do with the federal or state mandates against conscience rights?
1: Um, I'm not working on any other matters that I could comment on okay. at this time, um, but ADF certainly has other cases um, relating to the chemical abortion drugs and challenging both the FDA's approval of those drugs and um, other Biden mandates um, attempting to force um, people to perform or dispense drugs that induce abortion against their conscience.
0: Okay. And I take it right now, since this has been recently filed, that there's been no uh, orders uh, or anything involved in this case other than maybe the routine orders uh, for pretrial conferences and that. Uh, So I guess what I'm asking uh, is, uh, are are you asking for a temporary uh, injunction against the Biden administration from enforcing this, I guess, press release?
1: Um, at this time, we so we filed the amended complaint last week, mm-hmm. and at this time we haven't filed for any preliminary or emergency injunctions um, and uh, haven't decided how we'll be moving forward with the case. Um, but we do hope and urge the court in the end to find that this mandate is unconstitutional and inconsistent with federal law because it violates the religious liberty of pharmacists across the nation.
0: Right, and I imagine you're a little bit hung up here because you're probably at the mercy of the Attorney General of uh, Texas, I would imagine, since he filed the first suit. uh, He's kind of the lead counsel in this.
1: Yes, we're working with um, the Attorney General's office. um, We're Now, co-counsel and our representing co-plaintiffs will be making decisions together as the case moves forward.
0: Okay, okay. So can we, I I don't know how fast the federal courts in Texas tend to work, but are you expecting to be able to get into court and have some of this heard or at least some preliminary rulings shortly?
1: Um, It will depend on what motions we end up filing um, to see how quickly we'll be able to get before the judge. But we do hope to you know, bring this before the judge as soon as possible so that we can protect the religious liberty of pharmacists
0: sure.
1: um, in Texas and Mayo Pharmacy.
0: Sure, and and in Texas, I assume that you're probably looking at maybe a, um, a friendly court?
1: Yes, yeah, we're hoping um, that the judge will... Um, certainly um, be on our side since we firmly believe that this admin- this mandate is unconstitutional and violates the religious beliefs of pharmacists. Um, so we certainly urge and hope that the court will agree with us.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Texas, just the, the, the state and the political atmosphere down there, I think would tend to lean in your favor, but uh, you never know until the judge comes back and gives you a ruling.
1: That's true. Yeah, for sure.
0: Andrea, want to thank you for joining us today. Certainly appreciate your time. Uh, It's an interesting case, and we will be following it. And maybe want to talk to you again later.
1: That sounds great. Thank you so much. It was great talking to you both.
0: Thank you, Andrea Dill, who is from the Alliance Defending Freedom. And we will be right. All right.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Mm -hmm. And we will be right back after these messages. We're back. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. Gina, it was uh, another interesting show today. Um, they haven't gotten very far in this lawsuit in uh, in Texas, but uh, we got an earful from, uh, from the doctor about what is going on with these abortion pills.
2: Well, and I think that just um, inflates the importance for the lawsuit to be successful. That's right. Uh, these drugs sound like they're just... Uh, Incredibly dangerous to women. Uh, I I think that uh, doctors' S- scope was uh, very informative. The problem is, she point as she pointed out, the message isn't getting out. And I noticed when I was preparing for the show, you know, I, I, you you type the word abortion into your Google browser, and Planned Parenthood pops right up. I that mean, does. you have to go a couple of pages before you can get to. Um, any really uh, informative information that doesn't come from anybody
0: but uh, Planned Parenthood. Yeah, now they're...
2: they're So, whatever we can do to get the message out.
0: Now, in the suit Andrea was talking about, um, they're talking about conscience rights. Uh, What Dr. uh, Scope was talking about was uh, actually medical uh, scientific um, facts or arguments anyway. And so those, uh, I'm not sure whether one lawsuit or, or whether the lawsuit can use Dr. Uh, Scope's uh, information uh, because they are arguing on the basis of religious liberty and conscience rights. Uh, they're not arguing that these things are bad medically. That's what Scope and the Logier Institute is arguing in their lawsuit is that these things create harm, you know, and first do no harm, but they're creating harm. And so that there's a medical and scientific reason to stop the distribution of those pills. On the other hand, in the Texas lawsuit, and joined by the folks in North Dakota, uh, there's a question of uh, religious civil rights? Do I have the right as a pharmacist to live up to my uh, religious beliefs and to refuse to condone you know, this murder of the innocents and provide right. these pills, these means to kill? And, uh, and so those are two right. different uh, uh, things. So I would imagine these two issues won't come together in a single court. Uh, but ultimately, they are going to come together somewhere. And we hope that the yep. conscience rights and, and the medical protection for women are upheld in both these instances.
2: Exactly. And, I, and honestly, the conscience rights for pharmacists just overlaps real closely with the conscience rights for OBGYNs. Uh, you know, the Biden administration has talked about mandating that all doctors... And medical professionals engage in abortion that they have no, they can't um, use medical or religious objections. Yeah, they
0: can't to opt out in any step way Step
2: back not mm-hmm. and not be involved, right? That, that's so right. I imagine these cases will help.
0: It's one of the problems we have right now with uh, our friends on the progressive left. They not only want to have the laws uh, their way so that they can do what they want to do, they want to actually force other people into doing those things, too. Uh, So they're trying to destroy our rights, our religious liberty rights, to say, no, I can't do that ethically in my religious world here, the context that I live in. And they're saying, oh, yes, you have to do that now because we have a constitutional right to kill babies, so you have to help us kill them, too. And uh, and and that's what's going that's one of the things that's going on here. And I think this is why one of the reasons why they're ultimately going to lose that fight, because people are going to say you you can't infringe on us over everything. And uh, and there will be a a pushback to that. But uh, that pushback hasn't seemed to come just yet. So we'll uh, we'll look forward to that day when it does come. Noticed uh, something we got from uh, our friend Tony Perkins at the Family Resource Center. Uh, about LGBT yeah. <laughs> entertainment at uh, military bases, uh, which seems yep. kind of odd.
2: This happened last summer, actually. The story you sent to me, uh, the Nellis Air Force Base in Nevada, hosted a drag Dragunellis event where they had uh, drag queens from Las Vegas uh, to entertain the troops. Um, well, what, what, and he also. Well,
0: go ahead. I was going to say, when I was in the Army, they weren't drag queens. <laughs> they they were uh, loosely clad women <laughs> and, and loosely uh, other ways, too, uh, who would right. uh, get up and, and, uh, and show themselves for the entertainment of the troops.
2: Well, and it certainly wasn't uncommon um, years ago to do those or entertain the troops with those kinds of shows. I think with the introduction of women in the military, some of that has been toned back quite a bit and it, so. the shows become a lot more tasteful well, um, but the the Navy uh, or I'm sorry the Air Force defends it saying it's essential to the morale and the cohesion and readiness of the military I don't see it but yeah,
0: my eye it is hopefully oh. they know what they're okay. doing All right, we're just about out of time let's uh, close with our defenders prayer St. Michael the Archangel defend us in battle be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil may God rebuke and we humbly pray and do thou O prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, thrust into hell, Satan, and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. That's about it for today. I want to thank our guests who are with us today, and thank you all for listening, and we will see you again. In the meantime, have a blessed and peaceful week. Our freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. Faith on Trial, with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Mano, Faith on Trial, on Iowa Catholic Radio, iowacatholicradio.com, and the Iowa Catholic Radio app.